Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buddha and Brett podcast. Chris is a lawyer, pastor, and nonprofit executive, and Brett is a producer and business owner. This is the fourth and final episode of our podcast series with Chris's brother, Colonel Mario Buddha. Colonel Buddha is a U2 pilot, and in this episode, he talks with us about how he stays calm and deals with pressure. And he illustrates this point by telling a story of a situation he faced as a pilot when something went wrong with the plane while he was mid-flight. You know, we've been talking the last three episodes with uh, my brother, Colonel Mario Buddha, retired U.S. Air Force U-2 pilot, and we've been talking about the idea of handling pressure. And usually our response to pressure is some sort of anxiety. And you, we talked about the manifestations. You had panic attacks. God bless you, man. That's just, that sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have anxiety as well, and I handle it, and it impacts me. I don't think that dissimilarly than yours, but it made it hard for me. My anxiety mostly came when I had to speak, and I've had the privilege of speaking. I love communicating, and I've had the privilege of doing this 20, 25 years, but I learned early on I would get so excited and so worked up uh, beforehand, and I started having these physical manifestations. I would start feeling I had to throw up. Mm. Uh, I, I can take it back to even in high school, junior high and high school and college when I was wrestling. I, I threw up before almost every match. Oh my gosh. Uh, I would get, and I did some reading there saying that can be caused the nausea comes from an adrenaline rush and it peaks and then your body responds. And that's one of the ways that the body can respond to it. Okay. So as a speaker, it, it got a little better. I didn't throw up, but I would gag and I would do the like the. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, and the people would see me, it's like, you're right. I'm okay. And I'd be, <laughs> I mean, and then I would go into the bathroom and I'd go, I go, even doing it now, I'm going to make myself sick. <laughs> Nothing would come up. It'd be like a dry heave and I'd just spit and my eyes would pop out like one of those stress dolls where you squeeze and their eyes pop out. Yeah. And I'd come out, my head be all red, my eyes would pop out and they're like, you're right. And I'd be wiping the spittle off my mouth. I'm fine <laughs> like that. And once I got going, I was good. But it was freaking brutal when I spent months speaking at a time every night or twice a day at some of the events I was doing. That has almost never left me. There are times that even if I, I filled in preached last week, I get a little bit of that feeling, but I try to do deep breathing, meditating. For me, I pray, mm-hmm. uh, but I try to get my head straight, breathe deep, pray, and, and focus on what I'm doing. I enjoy what I do, so I focus on that. For me, I intentionally say, but anyway, just a real quick story, how I haven't conquered this. We started this podcast with lessons I learned on Family Feud. Yeah. Well, we're on TV a recording with Steve Harvey up there. It was pretty intense. And I had, before we start again, once I get started, I don't know if just the, the, the outlet of actually doing what I'm doing, speaking and go away. Once we got planned, I was okay, but I'd have a little bit of those micro bursts. Uh, uh, yeah. And my kids would look at me before sons are like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, well, I can't help. Well, yeah. if you listen to that part of the podcast, if not go back, it's all online. We're on Apple podcasts. Go back and you listen to that series. But we run the table, and in the family feud, if you win five in a row, you win the car. Well, we run four in a row. We're taping. We're getting ready to tape the fifth, and uh, we had to do. We had to stop taping after the fourth show. So we came back the next morning, had breakfast, come in, and we're in the back room making sure we our clothes are on right. We look good. We go out on stage, and uh, there's a, probably 15, 20 minutes are out there, warm ups and things like that, checking things before Steve Harvey comes out. Brad, it's happening to me now. I'm going, mm, I'm going to throw up in your sink. And I start going, huh? and the producer's like, dude, are you okay? It's like, I was like, give me a bucket. And I, so if you watch Family Feud, you know the, 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 the family name is on behind the competitors. So it's the big Buddha family uh-huh. sign behind us. 
Well, behind that on the stage, there's a big garbage bag because I'd run back and spit into that. And they gave me a towel. They had two producers there like, are you going to be all right? And I can remember my kid, Andrew, Andrew, my oldest, was like, what the hell are you doing? Just stop. I'm like, I, if I could stop, I would stop. I'm not doing this on purpose. It's an involuntary reflex that all the meditating, praying, and thinking positive. It's like, if we win, we win the cars. Like, <laughs> I, I was, I was saying, I had a spit running down my shirt. They're like trying to tell me. I was like, and uh, I remember Bryce, who was one of the producers, looking at the guys like, is he, he going to be okay? And JT said, he's fine. Just get him and just get the show rolling. He'll be fine, which was true. <laughs> JT has seen it enough growing up when I was speaking. He's like, as soon as we get the show on the road, mm-hmm. whatever, I don't know if the, the, the adrenaline releases or again, I have a different outlet, but it but oh my gosh, the, the, the producers were going, this is going to be real bad. Steve Harvey's going to be out here in two minutes. You got to stop going like this and throwing up behind the... <laughs> it was so bad after one of this, after they'd ask a question and then they'd towel down Steve Harvey and they prepare because, you know, they're cutting and pasting like we do for this, the mm. TV show. Mm-hmm. But it was after the first question, I had to run behind it. I still had a little bit of leftover of this. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Steve Harvey looking around like, what the hell's wrong with <laughs> <laughs> And he came by on the way back before we started. He said, you okay, coach? He called me coach all the time. Oh, I, said, yeah. I said, yes, sir. He said, hi, you, you, you better be okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm all right. But uh, that, that, that was all a manifestation of anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and I'm interested to hear more from my brother, Mario, because mm-hmm. we heard last session about how he dealt with the pressure. And that's what we're talking about. Anxiety usually comes from pressure situations, how when he took Joan London up. But to be honest, he's had much more pressurized situations whether it's being on TV, whether it's flying U2s, we carry anxiety with us. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? We're going to hear from Mario right now. I try to squeeze off a radio call to tell the guys that I, I just lost the engine. But this airplane at the time, this was 1991, there were like eight or 10 different ways they wired the airplanes because they were just kind of consolidating them all. They had U2R models, they had TR1s, they were, they were running all together. Well, this one, the, the encryption for the radio was wired to the the main DC bus, I think it was, and it dropped the key on the encryption device. So I'm trying to squeeze off this radio call, and when the, the engine rolled back and the DC generator dropped offline, the encryption device stopped and, and the transmission stopped. So I'm halfway through this radio call saying, hey, I lost the engine, and boom, it goes dead. So nobody on the ground knew what was going on after that point. And, What's uh, your altitude is still above 50 or now below I was 50? I was about, I don't know, 56, 55,000. So I'm coming down and I'm in the weather, which is really odd because usually above 45,000, there's no clouds. And I got to get down to uh, 43 to restart. And because the electrical system, they, they've got these, uh, they call them buses. And there's the main bus and then the essential bus and then the emergency bus for both the uh, direct current and the alternating current systems. And, you know, when the generators drop off, you lose the main buses, but your essential ones still powered until it gets even less power. And then that drops off. So all you're left is the emergency bus. Well, the main flight director system, the heading system and the flight instruments all drop offline. So you have to fly on the backup system, which is this little maybe silver dollar size attitude indicator. And I'm in the weather and, I get down to 43,000 feet, which only took about 15 minutes because I wasn't up at, at cruising altitude. Get the engine restarted, leave it in idle. So I'm going to continue to descend. I've got to do a, a 
flame out approach when I get down there, but I'm trying to get the heading system spun back up because I have to go through the weather and you're supposed to hold it uh, straight and level, I think for nine minutes to do this. And, and that was just interesting because I'm in the clouds and I, I finally get the radio on and they're telling me to turn this way. And I said, no, I'm not doing any maneuvering for nine minutes. Cause I got to get everything done. So came down, finally broke out over the airfield, maybe four or 5,000 feet. So I, I was able to do the flame out precautionary landing with the engine in idle. And, and that went well, but that, that initial 20 minutes after it just quit, it was like, well, all right, I don't know why it did this. And I don't know if it's going to restart and I'm in the weather and that complicates things. So that was probably one of the more interesting incidents. So you're without engine for 20 minutes. Yes. How do you not freak out? All right. So that's, that's a good question. We were, I was watching Goldfinger the other day because we're on lockdown. <laughs> and, and, and all right, so he shoots out the window and Goldfinger gets sucked out of the window. And what happens to the airplane? The airplane falls out of the sky. Well, it doesn't happen like that. If it depressurizes, it doesn't fall out of the sky. One of the first things they teach you is how to adapt to a little stress at pilot training. All right. So they have this thing every morning and it's called stand up. And they've got the uh, standardization evaluation, the stand eval officer. He gets up and he gives you a hypothetical emergency situation. You know, he gives a scenario to the whole flight room. So you've got 10 instructors and 20 students in there. They're usually two to one. And he looks around the room and he picks a student. He goes, okay, Lieutenant uh, Buddha, stand up. What are you going to do? And right, it puts you under pressure because now you're standing up in front of a room full of people and you're a brand new guy. So you've been, you've been reading the books and hopefully listening to your instructor pilot. You've had some academic courses. Well, the first thing you do in every emergency is maintain aircraft control. So it's pretty easy. If the wing falls off, it's hard to maintain control. But when, when the engine quits in a single engine airplane, you keep flying an engine. If one engine quits on a multi-engine airplane, it keeps flying. It doesn't perform as well, but it keeps flying. So you just fly the airplane. So you think beyond that, okay, I got to fly the airplane. Then I have to analyze the situation. Then I have to take the appropriate action, land as soon as conditions permit. So you get that beat into your head when you're uh, a second lieutenant or, or you know, in, in JT's case, he's, he's a captain now. But same thing, brand new pilot. These are the first three steps you do whenever something goes wrong. And it's, it's pretty easy. And it becomes your mantra. How do, you, how do you prevent your head from racing ahead and going, okay, when I get to 43,000 or whatever the altitude is where I can try to start the engine again, how do you let your head not go? What if it doesn't work then? When I flew with Joan London, she, she said, how do you remain so calm? I just, you got to remain calm. When you fly, you try to think ahead, okay? It's the same thing running a business. You try to think ahead. Okay, we're going to do this. What happens if? So everybody, I think, tries to what if things, right? I'm sure you do. Yeah. It was like playing football or wrestling. Okay, what if what if he stands up uh, or tries to switch when I'm trying to ride him, right? Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking ahead and said, okay, at 42,000 feet, I'm going to try the restart attempt. If that doesn't work, I'm going to put the throttle back off and keep flying down. If I get to this point or when I get to this point, I'll do another restart attempt. And the old model, U2, the R model, you could restart it until the battery went dead. And... Uh, the new one, the S model, and now I think they're calling it the T maybe even because they they, re, they put in a glass cockpit and did some uh, electrical power 
upgrades. That one had a different engine, and the restart system used a uh, uh, it was a chemical system that it produced a gas to spin the engine because it was a turbo fan engine. And that one, you only got one shot. So if it had happened <laughs> in that engine, I probably would have started thinking, you know, I won't, I probably would have started breathing heavier. Let's put it that way. Cause, <laughs> cause okay. If this one shot doesn't work, then what? Well, then I am going to point it at the airport. If I don't break out of the weather by, by the time I'm 2000 feet above the ground, I'm going to have to eject. So you see, you've always got a backup plan. One of the things we've been talking about is staying calm under pressure and as a leader, how that really is a necessity. I think so many people think that that is simply inbred in people, but from what you're sharing and what uh, JT's doing at flight school, uh, you can train that a little bit. You, you, some may be, be more prone to stay calm. Others may be prone to get anxious and, and antsy, but you can train that. And part of that is just being prepared here in Pittsburgh with uh, Coach Tom, the Steelers coach, you know, I've heard him use the phrase over and over again, slow heartbeat. You know, someone has a slow heartbeat. And the other, I think he's more famous when says, don't blink. You know, we're not going to blink first. You know, you got to remain resolute and just kind of run the plan. And part of the way that you gain that, at least what I hear you saying, and from JT down in Texas at flight school, was that checklist. So when I said, how do you not worry about it if you get the 43,000, if it doesn't, You've got your checklist. You're working the list. If it doesn't start at 43,000, then I do this and this and this. If it doesn't start at 20, then I do this. And as you said, eventually the checklist is point to her airport and get the hell out and, you know, <laughs> eject. Right. But, but you've got that list ingrained, you know, so when JT's doing his check flights, the ones you were, you were giving to people, you know, every, he gets drilled on what do you do now? What do you do next? What if this happens? What do you do this? What do you do this? So one of the ways that you can remain calm and have a slow heartbeat and don't blink is making sure you're prepared and trained. We all experience anxiety at some level, and it manifests itself differently in everybody. Preparation is the key. It won't solve every issue, but it clears your mind to focus and address the issue at hand. This podcast is recorded and produced by me, Brett Hammond, at www.thehammond.com.